0: Hello and welcome. It's Thursday, December 22nd, 2022, and you're listening to Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you caught up on the biggest stories in the state on your time. I'm your host, Taylor Kinera, breaking news editor here at KTAR. On this podcast, we break down all the top stories happening right now to keep you in the loop on all things Arizona. We also look ahead at what's to come to make sure you know what to keep an eye out for until our next episode. For this week, we're breaking down the latest on Title 42 and what's happening at the border, who's the next possible owner of the Suns, and we've got to start with election lawsuits. This is the song that never ends. That's right, we're still talking about the 2022 midterm election. This week, Republican candidate for Governor Kerry Lake and Republican candidate for Attorney General Abe Hamaday and their legal teams have been hard at work making their case in their respective election contests. I'll start with Lake's lawsuit. Following the December 5th certification, Lake filed a lawsuit claiming intentional misconduct and collusion by Maricopa County, its board of supervisors, and even her opponent and current Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs. But one problem. Valley attorney and KTAR host Barry Markson says most of these allegations aren't supported by evidence.
1: The lawsuit asked the court to provide relief in either appointing or naming Kerry Lake the governor of Arizona uh, despite the election results or ordering that Maricopa County redo the election.
0: And Markson says a redo isn't possible under Arizona law. The suit also alleges the election machine issues that some voters faced in person on election day were intentional.
1: You have to prove intentionality. So if Kerry Lake is claiming uh, that the printer toner errors were intentional, there has to be actual evidence to indicate that. And it's very difficult to prove that even if it were true.
0: Finally, Lake's campaign claims up to 29,000 Republican voters were disenfranchised due to the printing issue she lost by about 17,000 votes. On Monday, a judge heard oral arguments from Lake's camp. Late in the night, the judge dismissed eight of the 10 counts in the lawsuit. One of the counts moving forward alleges the ballot-on-demand printers that malfunctioned on Election Day were not certified and vulnerable to hacking. The other alleges misconduct by the county's ballot contractor. The judge also allowed Lake's representatives to inspect signatures on hundreds of ballots, including 50 that weren't counted because they were spoiled. Yesterday, in court, the Lake camp brought up several witnesses, including Maricopa County Recorder Stephen Richer and Elections Director Scott Jarrett. Today, the Lake team was back in court interviewing more witnesses, but Markson tells us the judge will probably rule quickly.
1: I expect the judge will likely issue a decision by Friday, if not the first of next week. This has to be done before January 2nd when uh, inaugurations begin, and I think the judge also wants to give the losing side an opportunity to appeal.
0: Now, on to Hamaday. Unlike Lake, his case isn't trying to prove any kind of conspiracy. In fact, the beginning of his lawsuit reads as follows. The plaintiffs are not, by this lawsuit, alleging any fraud, manipulation, or other intentional wrongdoing that would impunge the outcomes of the November 8, 2022 general election, End quote. The lawsuit does, however, allege errors and inaccuracies in the midterm election. The entire basis of the lawsuit sounds a bit familiar. Make sure all the legal votes are counted. Hameday filed this suit in the Arizona Superior Court and Mojave County Court, naming election officials from all 15 counties. Again, our resident legal mind, Barry Markson, told us this is a technical lawsuit common in close races.
1: The counts in the lawsuit and what they're seeking is several, what they believe to be errors in how some of the votes were counted or not counted.
0: On Tuesday, Hameday's legal team stood before a Mojave County judge to plead their case. They argued why they think there were issues with the tabulators, but admitted they're still looking for evidence to support those claims. Barry explains a little more.
1: It can't be a fishing expedition. That's not how it works. You still have to show something was done incorrectly at the county level, whether they counted or didn't count votes they should have counted. And I don't think that Hamaday was able to show support for that.
0: The judge granted Hamaday's campaign permission to review provisional ballots similar to Lake's. And now an evidentiary hearing will be held tomorrow morning, the 23rd, where Hamaday's legal team can present those findings. Now remember, Hamaday lost by only 512 votes. That's a tight margin. So tight, it triggered an automatic recount. However, because of Hamaday's and Lake's lawsuits, the results of that recount are now delayed. We were supposed to get those results today, Thursday, December 22nd. But the Secretary of State's office sent a notice to the judge that was expected to release the results of the recount, asking for more time. The letter explained that much of the office will be tied up in court because of each of these lawsuits, and they'll need more time to go through due process. But for now, we'll wait to see how things play out in the courts. If you've been paying attention to the border, I only have one thing to say. Title 42. For the last few weeks, and really the last year, Title 42 has been a huge topic of conversation when it comes to the border. This week, the U.S. Supreme Court effectively halted the immediate ending of the public health policy. But before we go into that, Let me answer the question we're all asking. What is Title 42? Title 42 is a public health policy that's been on the books for decades. It allows the federal government to take emergency action to fight the spread of diseases that could be coming into the U.S. During the pandemic, then-President Donald Trump invoked the action to allow Border Patrol to turn away migrants at the border. This means those without legitimate asylum claims were turned away if they tried to cross. For the past year, the border has seen thousands of migrant crossings each day. And right now, those in-border cities and towns believe Title 42 is one of the only things in place truly helping to keep the number of migrants from coming into the U.S. down. It was announced in November that after several court cases, the Biden administration would end Title 42 on December 21st. Since that announcement... Border advocates have come out swinging against the Biden administration, saying the move would be catastrophic. President of the National Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd, told Arizona's Morning News.
1: Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, we can expect a flood of people from those countries.
0: He says removing the policy would practically incentivize illegal crossings.
1: All they have to do is cross the border illegally, get apprehended, and they'll be released in the United States, which is just going to encourage even more people to come.
0: But the Biden administration argued at least when the lawsuits began, that COVID-19 was no longer the public health crisis it once was, and the policy should end. But Cochise County Sheriff Mark Dannels told Arizona's Morning News that while the reasons may have changed, the need for Title 42 is still very real.
1: The reason Title 42 is not going away not because the health pandemic is not there anymore, it's because it's in crisis mode.
0: So in the 11th hour on Monday of this week, 19 states, including Arizona, filed an emergency appeal to the Supreme Court calling for a delay in the ending of Title 42. Just hours later, Chief Justice John Roberts called for a stay on Title 42's end until the Biden administration could respond with a reason to end the policy. On Tuesday, Arizona senators took to congress to underscore the need for title 42. Democrat Mark Kelly said,
1: "Record numbers of border crossings are straining law enforcement and it's straining humanitarian organizations. And this is unsustainable."
0: And independent Kirsten Cinema, border communities in Arizona and across our country are in complete crisis. Then, that evening, just hours before the policy was set to expire, then, that evening, just hours before the policy was set to expire, the Biden administration responded asking for a delay in Title 42's end. The administration acknowledged that they still want the policy to end eventually, but want to see it stick around, at least until after Christmas. This comes as Governor Doug Ducey now has to remove his makeshift shipping container border wall. Several months ago, the governor invested millions to put up giant shipping containers along parts of the border wall where the Trump border wall had to stop construction under the Biden administration. There was debate over the legality of this, and then the federal government sued Ducey, saying the containers were considered trespassing on federal property and served as a detriment to the wildlife. Last week, the Ducey administration confirmed to KTAR they had stopped production of the wall in compliance with the federal government. And as of yesterday, the state and the feds came to an agreement. The state will remove all shipping containers and related equipment from the border wall in the Yuma sector. But there was a little give and take here. The Biden administration agreed to begin some construction on the border wall by January 4th. However, the only agreed upon construction is in the Morales Dam area, where some of the first containers were placed. Regardless, I think it's safe to assume the border will continue to be a big topic in 2023. Just on the heels of another bombshell in the Suns' front office, we're learning a new owner could be announced soon. Billionaire Matt Ishbia, along with his brother Justin, are finalizing a purchase of majority ownership of the Phoenix Suns and Mercury, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. The agreement, which is still pending league approval, values both teams at $4 billion. But who is Matt Ishbia? You could argue he's a fan of the sport. From 1999 to 2001, he was what you could call a bench warmer for Michigan State. He won the national title with the team in 2000, but only averaged a few minutes a game. Despite an average basketball career, he landed on his feet. 42-year-old Ishbia is chairman and CEO of the mortgage lender United Wholesale Mortgage, based in Michigan. He could be the youngest NBA team owner. And his net worth is a whopping $5.1 billion this year, according to Forbes. His brother Justin, not too shabby either, valued somewhere around $2.2 But what could this mean for the team? Arizona sports host John Gambadoro says he spoke with someone close to Ishbia and believes he's a competitor.
1: Even in doing deals, it was winning rather than making money. Some of the times on his deals were, were the most important thing. I just want to win and beat the other guy even if I don't make any money on it.
0: The Ishbia brothers have agreed to buy more than 50% of the team, including all of Sarver's interest. Majority owner Robert Sarver has agreed to sell his shares of the team after his suspension from the league following reports of racist and misogynistic behavior. According to ESPN, the deal is expected to be completed quote in the near future. So that's it. You're all cut up for this week, the week of Monday, December 19th. But what's ahead? Here are a few things to keep an eye out on until we meet again. As I mentioned earlier, we'll be keeping an eye out on the Lake and Homiday lawsuits. We'll also know the outcome of the Arizona statewide recounts for the roles of Superintendent of Public Instruction and Attorney General. And this Sunday is Christmas, a merry one to all who celebrate. Remember, you can read more on all the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go. Just download the KTAR News app for articles, podcasts, and, of course, breaking news. With that, I'm Taylor Kinnerup, and you've been listening to KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.